0: yeah so I'm not an analyst by trade so I really have any thoughts on that I feel like just stick to it and if you don't understand it don't do it
1: are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become
2: one you're in the right place welcome to where should I invest real estate investing in Canada with your host Sarah Larby
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby. Today's guest is Megan Chomut, who's a financial advisor, a financial planner who helps investors, real estate investors, as well as others. And I think it's really important if you're looking for a financial advisor to have somebody that is non biased, so fee upfront rather than commission based, and somebody that can also incorporate the real estate into your portfolio. So she's a certified financial planner and investment property advisor. She helps families all across Canada. So if you are interested in having a conversation, reach out to Megan at the end of the show, we will mention how to reach her. And aside from that, I don't know if you guys have heard or if you follow me on Instagram, but we have launched a few really cool things. One of them is a new YouTube show. And I've changed my YouTube channel to the Multifamily Investor Show with many, uh, many other great guests and hosts along the way. So we are now, rather than putting the podcast on there, we are doing an actual awesome YouTube show showcasing the properties that we're working on. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So check that out. It's the Multifamily Investor investor show. Aside from that, if you guys are interested in multifamily or you're interested in the conversion opportunities, taking commercial space into residential, we are going to be launching a course on that very shortly, starting in the fall, in September. So you can reach out to me if you want some more information, which is sarah at SaraLarby.com. So before we go into the show, Dahlia from Streetwise Mortgages will share her tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you.
2: Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Are you an investor looking to adapt and thrive in this changing real estate market? Myself and my team have created a new resource dedicated to helping you navigate with clarity and confidence. We remove the noise and laser focus on what matters most to investors with respect to rates, values, mortgage qualification, and anything you need to pay attention to. Hear from other veteran investors on how they're navigating and tap into many tools and strategies we've developed for you to help you put things into perspective, better manage your cash flow, hedge, and most importantly, maintain the momentum towards your goals. Visit our new website page at www.streetwisemortgages.com forward slash adapt thrive. You can also get to that page through the landing page by clicking at the top banner. We are here to help you move forward with clarity and confidence. If you have any pressing questions or need guidance during these changing times, email our team at info at streetwisemortgages.com.
1: Awesome. Dahlia, thank you so much. A lot of great insight, guys. I hope that you guys enjoy these tips of the week with Streetwise Mortgages and Dahlia Barsoom. And I hope that you go and subscribe and leave comments for our YouTube show, The Multi-Family Investor Show. Enjoy this podcast and uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube show as well. Megan, welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you on again. How are you doing?
0: Absolutely. It's always my favorite part of the month when I get to talk to you.
1: (laughs) You are too nice. But now you've rebranded to Port Rouge And that is is awesome. You're still providing amazing service with the new brand. So on Instagram, it's at Port Rouge Co. That is awesome. But today we want to really focus on times of uncertainty, how to plan your finances around potentially the next few years being turbulent and how to ensure that you have as much possible in control finance-wise and that you can ride some, some ups and some downs and some levels of uncertainty without losing your mind along the way. <laughs> so let's maybe start there. What are you seeing in the market right now? I mean, you're very, very close to many clients. You're very close to everything that has to do with finances. Are you Are you concerned about the next couple of years? I am concerned for a few different reasons. I feel
0: like some people are considering, when, I, when we look at making decisions, you need to look at both the qualitative data, meaning the numbers, as well as the qualitative data, which means the soft things like your emotions, your plan, your intentions. And I feel like potentially right now, because of this uncertainty that we've experienced and are planning to experience, people aren't considering both. There's people making decisions based on emotions or based on fear, which can sometimes be detrimental to their overall framework of their financial plan.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, It's that analysis paralysis, shiny penny syndrome put together with now it's, I guess, the war and the pandemic and all of those things. Right. Do you take do you make a move? Do you not make a move? So. Obviously, rates, rates are going to be increasing. We all know that. It's not a surprise to anyone at this point. What are some things that you might recommend somebody do in terms of looking at their portfolio or their finances, knowing that rates are going to be increasing? How fast and how many, and how many points? We, we really don't know, but what are your thoughts?
0: My thoughts are to consider the interest rate predictions in all of your number calculating. So if you are looking at maybe just starting out in investing in real estate is to not use today's interest rates, but maybe add a couple basis points to those rates to see if the rates increase by 2% in the next year, two years. Does the property still cash flow? I'm seeing a lot of people using the interest rates increasing to stop them from investing. They're concerned, but then when you look at the numbers, it could really only mean fifty dollars or marginal marginal difference based on the potential upswing in the appreciation. So there's a heavy weight on the on the in the news with the interest rates, but really just stick to your numbers and use those predictions going forward because the whole idea of investing is to take action and for it to not stress you out and if your interest rate is one variable in the overall idea of real estate investing and if that one variable is holding you up so much maybe it's better to look at other options maybe still in the real estate investing realm but maybe it's private lending or maybe it's something else where you aren't so, there's not so much friction in the decision-making process with one variable. Thanks, Megan. That that's, that's really insightful. And I think you mentioned
3: something, private lending, and I know some people get scared of private lending because of the high level of interest rates in private lending. Can you touch a little more on that and why investors should consider something like private lending when the interest rate seems to be a heavy factor on what they are planning on investing in and how private lending can be sometimes it's safer bet, even though interest rates might be higher than using your own money.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's a really good question. And I think that there's a variety of ways that you can invest in real estate and private lending is absolutely one of them. It's almost like a combination of the paper asset plus the exposure to the real estate market. Myself, I'm considering private lending right now because I can't compete. So I'm trying to acquire properties and I can't compete with the the offers that people are putting in, in the pressure of the timeline of trying to make a decision. And so I have, I if you like me have money set aside that's available to acquire properties, but you just can't put, like, for example, one of the things is I'm not super comfortable putting in no conditions. <laughs> Maybe that's too conservative of me. I don't know. But nobody in my area right now is putting conditions. So I know that they're not going to accept my offer unless I go way over asking. And if I go way over asking, is the property a profitable investment? So I'm having to make those decisions. And while that money is sitting there available, it's not doing anything, if anything, it's eroding with inflation. So private lending would allow me to capture some of that activity, get some rates of return while I'm waiting out, or maybe I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot, I don't know, but right now I'm not able to compete in my local area. So private lending is something I'm seriously considering.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different avenues of of real estate investing. There's some more passive and some more active, and definitely private lending is is on that more passive side, but it could still be very lucrative, especially if you have money sitting in the bank, dwindling away at six percent inflation, because that's essentially what what we're at, I think, at this point. And it could even be worse, depending on how much the governments continue printing this money, unfortunately. So somebody that, that wants to do that, maybe they have some money in the bank and they want to go the private money routes, they are looking at the pros and cons of different strategies. Where can they go to actually take action and execute on lending out their private money? Like what are the actual steps for somebody that, ha- that hasn't done it yet?
0: Oh, there's so many options. I think that the the one of the very first steps that I always recommend to people when they're looking at all their options, whether it's private lending or real estate investing or even just investing in like stock, the stock market or different types of portfolios is to connect with people who have done it before. So, and there's tons of real estate investing forums and social media, networking events, all those things. So there's some standalones. I don't know if I want to like name drop, but you can absolutely find different resources, even within different podcasts like yours, Sarah, there's been interviews with people who have said, if you have private money come on over. We have buyers that are borrowers that need different funds because also someone like me who's self-employed, sometimes getting access to funds is not easy. Banks sometimes don't want to look at you, especially once you are, have over a certain number of mortgages. So private lending is something that really is available to you and networking is the biggest thing. And it does, even if you're an introvert, networking can be as easy as following somebody on social media. It can be as easy as just sitting in a Zoom room during a workshop or during an event and just sitting and listening. So I think the biggest tip I would have is just start connecting with others that are already doing it because there are so many options when it comes to private lending. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
1: I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors, On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on oakville to hamilton and beyond but they're really great like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to facetime or video call rob or joel they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the reno part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's gonna cost and what renos are gonna be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly, They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget, which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, Joel j-o-e-l at um, whiteelmdesignbuild.com or rob at um, whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show.
3: And I think also there's something to be said about the opportunities for the lenders themselves. Like maybe if you're trying to retire, lending the money is a great way to make a good return and not having to get back in the game. If I was someone looking to retire, what would I need to know if I wanted to be part of something like that?
0: If you wanted to maybe switch from investing in the physical asset to lending? To lending and as well
3: as you can touch upon retirement, retiring in general when investing, even maybe
0: going into investment as a form of retiring. So as you tiptoe closer to retirement, there's a few factors in play there. So if you are interested in acquiring more properties, it's being diligent with your timeline and aware that once you retire, you no longer have that T4 income. And the big five banks love that T4 slip. It's very confusing sometimes because I am, like I mentioned, I'm self-employed. I am self employed i in the past, didn't issue myself a T4 slip, and I couldn't get a loan. However, my staff bought their first property, and the T4 was from me. So it was one of those things where I was like, where do you think they got their T4 from? They got it from my business, but you won't provide me with a loan for this property. Either way. You can see that that might be a little sticking point for me. (laughs) But as you tiptoe closer to retirement, acquisition can get challenging. But also, as you get closer to retirement, you're moving from the accumulation phase to the decumulation phase. And when you're accessing funds and liquidating based on your lifestyle and your needs, it's really important to be aware that there are some accounts like investment properties where once you turn on that faucet of income, you cannot stop it. And you're taxed on the whole amount. So it's just getting really clear on what avenue makes the most sense for you, both considering the liquidity that you need, your estate planning requirements, as well as your tax consequences. It's really important to have that umbrella over all those three components so that you're making sure that you didn't make a a choice that today felt like the right thing but in 5 years you're like i should have done that differently mm-hmm.
1: yeah great right. great advice so so let's let's switch it up a little bit and go from okay rather than the retiring piece somebody that's starting right maybe they've been working for a few years and they're saying okay i really want to do something similar to maybe sarah maybe myself right i, w- I want to retire in 7 years or i want to retire in 10 years and i'll i'll tell you i mean you're you're a certified financial planner that's fee upfront essentially. So you're you're not making money off the commissions, the trailing commissions, which I think is a very important distinction because you are essentially non-biased to the advice that you're giving to get to give and you're probably one of the very few that incorporate real estate investing in the overall picture. But let's just say somebody has, maybe they let, let me give you an example. They, they are mid thirties and they're making hundred grand. They have no debts. They are just about to move potentially out of their parents' home in the next year or so, or they're renting, let's just say they're renting either one. So their goal is to retire with, five grand of passive monthly net because net and gross are still quite different. So they want five grand a month of passive net income. And let's just say they're, they're young. No, let's just say single, single person to keep it simple. So what are some of the suggestions that they could consider doing And, and what insights would you provide?
0: Okay, this is a great question, and I think this is one of those questions where I'm not in that position. But if I were to go back in time, what would I have done? And I think what I would recommend to people is pick this first. Let's pick a strategy. So, based on your lifestyle and the needs that you have right now, what what strategy could you pursue that would feel the like the least past of resistance? I think I might have mentioned this in one of your. Podcast before, but I, if I could go back in time, I would have house hacked right off the stop. I, <laughs> I went to mess around. Like I'm in the multi-unit game right now, but I wouldn't have even. I would have maybe bought that multi-unit as my first primary residence from the very first get-go. But I think if I was that 30-year-old person looking to retire in the next five, 10 years, I would say, okay, what's my path of least resistance? In which one suits the lifestyle, my lifestyle the most. Because I think one of the problems that happens is the strategy causes friction and it allows you not to scale as fast as you need to scale. So that's what I would recommend. I would say, let's pick your strategy first and then let's crunch the numbers and then start taking action. And the action could be small incremental steps but super timeline sensitive and very crystal clear. Like maybe we pick the strategy, we start building the team and the team has to be comprised of people who are in the mud with you. People that have done this strategy or who work with other people who have done this strategy. For example, a mortgage broker. If you are working with a mortgage broker, if you could work with somebody who is also working with real estate investors who want that work optional retire early option or they've also done it themselves so i i would start with strategy and then i would start with the timeline sensitive baby steps but taking action would be the goal of every single one of those steps
1: so i'm going to take it a step further and say let's just say they pick the birth strategy because it's my favorite And I mean, there's lots of strategies out there, but let's just say they want, they want to do that strategy. And let's see if you have maybe some concrete things. So they want to do the birth strategy and let's just say they have, they have no savings so far. Right. So let's start even from there. So what do you recommend that they do in order to save for that potential down payment? I know you mentioned house hack. Was that 5% down? Is that 10% down? Where would they put that savings? And are there like difference different types of markets or different types of of properties that they could do this in that you would recommend? In terms
0: of markets, I'm not an expert in terms of location. However, I would recommend, yes, you would have to start saving. So if you don't have savings at all, any at the moment, that is something that you would have to do first. And that first concrete step would be how much money comes in, how much money needs to, pay for the needs that you have. How much money do you have left over? Where are you gonna put that? You could put that in a tax-free savings account, something relatively safe because you do wanna access it as soon as you possibly can. So you don't wanna put in, let's say $20,000 and at the end of three, four months, there's only 17 in there. You want it to be relatively stable. If it is going to be a birth strategy where you're also going to live in the property, an RSP is a great vehicle because you do have access to the home buyer's plan. The other, there is a new type of account. I don't know if it's an account or some, there's a new housing initiative that's coming out this year, if not already out for first time home buyers, which may be something to consider as well. But knowing how much is coming in, how much is required to come out and just save the rest. So you have that liquidity there to be able to jump on things when they come up and then practicing the analysis of the properties. So when I first got started, I always, I said, I I want to analyze a hundred properties. So I went into Facebook groups and I said, send me, send me all the properties you're looking at. And this is like, almost 10 years ago. So this was like a long time ago before there was all these calculators because I wanted to be really good at looking at the property, estimating the renovation costs and finding out what is the rate of return on this? And is my money better served in the market than buying this property? So getting really good at that, those number calculations is going to be really important as well. Great.
3: And I, and I think one other thing to touch upon is so you're starting out, you have no savings. You start working. You start working towards a down payment. So let's say I was working towards a down payment. What would you advice? Would you give me if I then wanted to perhaps consider entering it, entering into it with the JV? What are things that I should keep in mind? What are things that I should think about and how to best prepare for entering in a partnership like that my
0: situation? If you're if you're applying to enter into a joint venture arrangement, I think having really clear expectations on each party's responsibilities and role in that JV is gonna be really important. Because if you're new, you may be coming in there with potentially just the money. <laughs> you know, what there may be more value that you can bring to the table based on your knowledge and experience and maybe just grit, but it's being really clear on what, you, what the expectations are of each party, as well as getting everything in writing from your two separate lawyers.
1: Absolutely. And that goes back to team, right? When you mentioned have a team of people on your, on your power team that are investor focused, likely hopefully investors, and that includes the lawyer. And, and just to add to the scenario, I think ultimately, like it is totally possible to leave a nine to five job in seven years, in 10 years. I think it's just a matter of, to go back to what you said, picking the right strategy. Here's the thing in some markets, the buy and hold will not get you there because it's going to be in the cash flow negative, and you're not going to get to your goal if you're buying things that are cash flow negative. So, right now in, in this market, it's about what is bringing higher cash flow. The BRRRR strategy that you're doing some conversions on, and you're doing a multifamily as an example, you're refinancing, you're recycling your money, and you're calculating your numbers to cash flow. It could be the short term, mid term rental strategy. It could be making sure that when you're screening your tenants, your tenants are not lifers and they're going to be in and out in two, three years because the market rents increase a lot more than what you can do in, in this market in, in Ontario, as an example. Obviously, other markets with no rent control is a different story. It could be rent to own. There's, so, there's a lot of different strategies, but if you're, if you're thinking, okay, you want to retire with a certain amount of income cash flow wise, you do have to make sure that you're talking to the right people to pick the right strategies that are going to get you there. It can also, like if you're sitting on some cash, it can also include, like Megan spoke about, is private lending, right? I mean, I do want to go back to that for a second because private lending, you could could lend on a first mortgage, you can lend on a second mortgage, you can lend it as a promissory note, and they all have risks associated with them. And so in 2020, as rates are increasing and times are becoming more unknown, are there some strategies that you think, work better than others and are there maybe some ways that of lending money that would potentially work better than others
0: (laughs) that is a loaded question and if i knew i would be doing all the things that's a really good question and i think like you mentioned it is location specific so it depends on where you're willing and able to put your money so for example if you never want to use property management then you need to stick close to home and figure out what are the options for you in your local area Mm -hmm. i mean private lending is a different story because that's kind of like all in the interwebs in terms of money transfer and that does allow you to have access or not have access, but you're lending money to potentially somebody who is taking on bigger projects in other areas, which can be really helpful. The thing that I like to compare private lending and real estate, actual the property investing is buying a rental property or potentially rent to own is like buying a goose that that lays golden eggs. So the property itself hopefully has value, as well as the eggs, buying or participating in private lending, you only get the eggs. There's no appreciation there. And if you have the prediction that the property values are going to increase, then I think buying that goose sometimes can have some more beneficial weight, but sometimes it's hard to buy those gooses.
1: Yes. Absolutely. I mean, or you're competing with 20 other offers though. I think slowly things with the increases of, of the rates are, are stabilizing a little bit. So, you know, one of the things I, I was listening to, and I'm not an economist and I'm sure you've been hearing the same thing, but like if there is a market downturn, let's just call it, I think I was reading an article, it's 24%. To me, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, okay, great. Some more opportunity, my stuff, cash flows. But what would you tell somebody that is is maybe just holding onto a portfolio and there's that risk of the 24%? Like, Are there some ways that they can potentially stress test their portfolio to ensure that they have enough of a buffer in order to take some of that, those times. And then second question, and I don't wanna ask too many questions at once, but the second question is, should they also, or should we also be looking at like hard assets like gold and silver specifically in addition to real estate and also potentially currency and holding currency in a different format? So loaded question as well. What are your thoughts?
0: Okay, so the first question Okay, I got, I got distracted by the second question. Go back to the first one again.
1: The first question was, what would you tell somebody if, if they're like, okay, there's probably a 24% risk of a market correction, maybe a 40% risk, maybe no market correction. I, I don't know, but thoughts or insights on that.
0: Okay, so what I would say is, what was the intention for the rental pro- portfolio in the first place? So what was the intention? So for some people, it's generational wealth. If it is generational wealth, if, as long as you're not gonna die tomorrow, Don't worry about it. I mean, we don't know when that's going to happen, but the idea is what was the intention for the property? If it was to retire early and you are living, the intention is to live off the cash flows from the property, a market downturn isn't going to compromise that because you still have those eggs coming to you. And that's what's maintaining your lifestyle. If you were in a position of potentially Decumulation, so selling off some of your properties, then the idea could be instead of selling them off, if you do need the equity from those properties, potentially refinance is more suited at, at the based on your intention and the numbers. But it also could be an opportunity to realize some losses to offset some gains in the in the future, and that's more of like a tax strategy. But in terms that, that's how it's always going to be. It, I mean, the market in the, in the stock market and the real estate market, it's always going to ebb and flow. And so it's just bringing you back to what was the intention of buying the property in the first place? And does the current market condition enough reason for you to, to change your strategy
1: at all? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and just to have the follow up on that, what about gold and silver or potentially crypto or cash in, in non-Canadian cash?
0: Yeah, so I'm not an analyst by trade. So I don't really have any thoughts on that. I feel like just stick to it. And if you don't understand it, don't do it.
1: I mean, I, I, that is great advice, right? Stick to what you and, and and I think a lot of people can lose a lot of money by investing in things that, that they don't know about. So what what are you what are you focusing on right now in terms of your business?
0: In terms of my business, we're really just trying to help people navigate. I've had a lot of people, the new clients are new investors. So they're just trying to get their, those boots in the mud, as I like to say, they're trying to learn from people who are five, 10 steps ahead of them. They're trying to set up that framework. So they may come in feeling like they just want their money to be working more efficiently for them, or they want to learn from other people's mistakes. They want to make sure they're doing things properly but also they need a sounding board. There's just so much noise at the moment in terms of don't do this, do do this, that strategy sucks, this one's the winner, why are you doing that? And I think that we really need to go back to the basics and say, okay, let's match your style with who you are as a human being. Like let's let's say we're human first and we're investors second. So if, you are a morning person and every strategy is saying no 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 you have to wake up at noon and stay awake till midnight that's never going to feel good to you and the whole idea of investing is for it to feel as easy as it possibly can and so it's really just providing some guidance on what strategy suits you the best also owning rental properties is a human business so if you don't like other humans you really need to make sure that you have a good team behind you who's going to navigate that human element for you. And we need to factor that into the cash flow because there's a lot of good reasons why you can own properties that don't cash flow. And, but if you're trying to replace income, that cash flow element is really, really important. So it's really just gaining some clarity and some. Recommendations for that for them as they get started. I actually I haven't worked with anybody in the in the last couple years who is in that decumulation mode. Even people who are getting closer to retirement, I haven't seen like one of the options that we sometimes talk about is what about liquidation and doing some private lending to kind of replicate that dividend type idea, those goose eggs, without the responsibility of the property, and I think that real estate investors are a totally different animal. And as we get older and more mature, we get more comfortable. And we have our systems and processes in place. And we're totally comfortable with keeping the, everything the way that we have it have going. Yeah, that's very true. And
3: I like what you said about first-time investors and how to determine strategies is to really look at who you are. Because sometimes we just kind of look at where the biggest dollar is. And I think when people begin in real estate investing and don't know like the in-depth, in-and-outs, that's the first thing you're going to look at. Where am I going to get the highest rate of return? And then not thinking about how am I going to scale and manage the strategy? Is this going to work for me? Is its it, is it going to be something that fits my lifestyle? Because when you choose a wrong strategy, it's almost impossible to scale because you're not able to actually ebb and flow with that strategy, with your lifestyle. And I think for a new investor, it's also about knowing yourself but also understanding to fit so for example if you're looking for a recreational home okay like and you like you want a nice big fancy cottage and you're looking at the 1.5 and the two mil and you're like i'm gonna buy this cottage and i'm gonna rent it out i'm gonna make loads of money because it's a beautiful cottage and i want to stay there too and then you talk to your coach and she scales you back and she's like okay well is this gonna make sense let's run the numbers and she runs the numbers and you're like it's not going to make sense. Not for an investment strategy. And so what would your advice be to someone who, that was me, that was myself when I started looking at recognition of of cottages. So I know it's a very real thing to avoid like the shiny, shiny object syndrome and sort of like run with the numbers, understand yourself, but also be realistic about maybe not understanding that you're not going to necessarily get that property that you want right now. It could be in the future when you accumulate and it's not much of an investment, more for yourself, but how to scale back and understand that sometimes it's the ugliest one is that your best bet and the uglier the better sarah always says so <laughs>
0: yeah what would be so i think that there are reasons sometimes for buying something that that doesn't cash flow or on paper doesn't seem profitable because I'm going to match it back to the lifestyle. Potentially, maybe you have kids that are going to school, they need somewhere to live, it's not going to cash flow, but it makes sense in another way. And I think having that sounding board of your team so maybe your coach or your advisor, your mortgage broker all kind of giving you some ideas on that path of least resistance and not being caught up in the personal aspect of the investment. I mean, that is so hard to say. I mean, so easy to say but hard to do. Like for example, I see this sometimes with investors that do the bird strategy and they try to renovate based on what they like. And it's one of those things where it's like, you are you going to live there? And if the answer is no, then don't worry about what you like. Just do what's what's standard which which is nice. What do what your prospective tenant Wants, but also that is durable and as maintenance less as possible. And so, when you're looking at the strategies and you you think, oh well, I can make this a win-win. Well, maybe you're, you that is an option for you, but just not right now. Maybe that's like the third property you buy, or maybe that's one of the things that you bring in some of your siblings or friends and say, why don't we do this together? Like JV, let's all do this together. There are ways to make things work, but it's kind of separating the investment side from that personal preference side, which is very difficult when you're looking at your life, where you see it going, what you want. Also that human element of there's somebody going to be living in that property. So. It's, I, I like to stick to the numbers. I'm more of a numbers person. So I kind of put more of the weight on the numbers, but still consider that qualitative information. So maybe I'm more of like the 80% numbers, 20% behavior and, and emotions. But if that, if you're more of a decision maker by emotions, you have to consider them. And having that sounding board to remind you of the, the numbers and the timelines and that that may be an option, but just not right now is something that you, we all need to lean on that. Cause I mean, we're all sitting here and we, we have different strategies and we've all made mistakes. And it's just one of those things where you need to have other people to connect with, to help you walk through all this with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's tough. I think sometimes for many newer investors, cause there's a lot of emotion tied into it. And I think the more that we do it, the less it's going to matter and and more towards the numbers, but maybe somebody's all very numbers driven, but I think the more somebody does it transaction wise, it becomes more and more transactional and you know what you're going to get the most rent with without going overboard. You know what you're going to get the most after repair value without going overboard. And, uh, And I also think it's different for flippers, flippers renovate to sell. And investors, many other ones that are doing the burst strategy or the buy and hold with some maybe cosmetic stuff here and there, we're, we're just renting. And I, I like that you said durable because you're not going to necessarily go with like, this fancy hardwood bamboo floor when vinyl is just fine and durable for tenants. right? And I think those are all great points. So Megan, I mean, this is, this is all very, very insightful because you've been on the podcast a few times and I've already asked you the lightning round questions. We're going to play a lightning round game where we just make up the questions and you're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomut. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah and also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90-day game plan for getting ahead so to get that go to meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah that's dot com forward slash Sarah
0: and now back to the show
1: <laughs> all right so here's my first question to you are, are you praying that you the answer <laughs> For those of you just <laughs> listening to this, she's basically closing her eyes and praying. <laughs> Love it. All right. What is your, your book that you are reading currently right now?
0: I'm reading, I'm in the middle of tax season. There's no reading for me at the moment except for tax guides. But I do have this one, which is really great. I just finished before tax season. Mm, called the The one thing Thing.
1: really good it was it was a quick read and very good what was the synopsis in one sentence of what you need to know from the book
0: it's more important to be laser focused than shrapnel focused do one thing really really well nice awesome Aisha you want to come up with the second
1: question
3: yes well this kind of tags on to what she said I think you gave some good advice with that quote what advice would you give real estate investors, especially first-timers on their mindset and how to break through getting in, in front of your own self in, in front of your own way?
0: Whoa, these are really good questions. I would say, I heard this quote years ago and I've loved it. And it's that the wind howls and the mountain stays the same. And I think that with new investors staying that mountain, and not being distracted by those shiny objects in the wind, if you know that you want to replace income, build generational wealth, whatever your goal is, just stay rooted in that and let everybody else think what they want, say what they want, and you make the judgments for yourself.
1: Amazing. All right, question number three of five. Here we go. (laughs) I feel like you're nervous with my questions. Aisha's questions are good. You're just like, okay, what else is she going to do? All right. So I'm big on lifestyle. What is one thing that you do for yourself, despite all of the many hours of work that you're working right now and having four kids on top of it? What is one thing that you take time for during the day to ensure that you do for you?
0: So I'm one of those people that I don't do little things every day. I'm more of like an intense person where like I'm all in for work for X number of hours and then I'll go all in on something else. So I make sure that me and my husband go away on a trip two times a year. COVID kind of ruined that, but we're going to get back to it. And I go away with my girlfriends two times a year. So I get to go away four times a year. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And
3: that's actually, I'm going to do that too. So I'm going to write that you down and do that for myself.
0: Yeah. a Great idea. I, <laughs> and we used to go away every two years with with the family. So that's going to get started again now that we can travel. But I really need to, I'm one of those people that I need to get out of my element to really enjoy. If I'm, if I'm in my own space, I'll find something to do. I am one of the, I'm not not fun, but... I just value efficiency so much, and I like things the way that they are, and I find a job everywhere I go. So if I'm home, I'll find jobs, I'll find tasks, and I really can suck the fun out of it.
3: Yes, you sound like my twin. (laughs) I'm the same way. Okay, and as an investor, what based on mistakes you made or even successes you've had, what's one one lesson learned that you always carry with yourself?
0: One lesson learned? Ooh, that's a good one. I wish I would have been more open about my concerns earlier on. So for example, I wish I would have, when I was, as I was starting out, buying my first house, getting started in my first career, I wish I would have maybe reached out to my Friends, my colleagues, my even my parents, and just said, like, how are you guys doing this? Like, I became an adult and all of a sudden I'm expected to know, like, I know I have a finance degree, but it's still like, I didn't know the systems of banking. Like, even simple questions like, do you and your partner put your money together or not? Why? Like, I wish I would have inquired about that sooner than trying to learn that all on my own. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, yeah. Last question, number five. Are you ready? All right. You're prepared for this one? Yeah, I feel ready. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What What TV show are you watching right now that we could all Netflix and, and just relax?
0: Okay, I, I am a fan of garbage TV and I'm loving the Tinder
1: Swindler. Yeah, yeah, the okay. Tinder I saw that. I actually watched it. It was fascinating. I watch
3: anything, so that's
1: actually impressed. <laughs> it It's fascinating. Fascinating. It's
0: fascinating. It's, it, yes, for Garbage TV, I thought, wow, the, the fact that we can be so manipulated and that you can be targeted like that is mind blowing. I also, I'm, I'm watching Sneaky Pete. Never heard of that one. Uh, it's really good. It causes me a lot of anxiety, but it's still, it's very like, it's, it's a drama, sneaky peek.
1: Okay. All right. Amazing. Megan, where can people, my listeners and investors reach out and find out more?
0: The be- the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm at Port Rouge Co. or my website is PortRouge.co.
1: Okay. Amazing. Megan, thank you so much for being on the show once again and, uh, and anybody listening to this that needs some help from a non-biased financial planner that incorporates real estate into the plan. Megan is, uh, is your person. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Anytime. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me before I started I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid but as I started my journey these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven actionable repeatable system i didn't have that and the way that was going to change was by investing in myself learning listening and looking for ways that work and also most importantly discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again fast forward to today i now have a proven repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive, step-by-step online program. It's called RISE, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you wanna be faster